Warning, this episode has details concerning body dysmorphia, abuse, drug use, child abuse, incest, and torture. Please take care while listening. And we're back, we're you guys. We're back. Yeah. Hey, guys, I know we we're went back. Out for, we, know, we went out for smokes. We <laughs> said we'd be back. And here it is. And here, here we are. Here we we are. did come back, unlike your dad. Yeah. You're 18 years old and successful, and we want some of those benefits. <laughs> <laughs> we did a yeah. good job. Yeah. We love you. We love you now. We love you. <laughs> we love you now because you, you bring worth to us. So... <laughs> Let me live in your guest house. Yeah. <laughs> Lori and I had, Lori, Colin, and I had a lot going on for, what is it, five, officially five months, maybe even six? No, it's not. No, it's oh, been, man. It's definitely been since before Christmas, so six months. I would say five. It's six. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. We could say five. That's crazy. Like a bad dad thing. Like, I was only gone like for five yeah, minutes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was only gone for like five months and maybe a week. Mid- they were minutes. They were mere <laughs> yeah, yeah. minutes to you. You're a kid. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that way. So, like, conversations always run in my head all the time. So, I'll, I'll feel that way. Like, sometimes I'll text somebody and just respond to a conversation we had like three months ago, and they're like, "What? What is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's just a response to what we were talking about." <laughs> oh, once again, I oh, also this is the second time we're recording. Um, take two take two take two we did a whole show back again for the very second time um because we (laughs) lost our recording so we've got all the bad jokes out of the way (laughs) i love maria yeah it was tangent city so you're gonna be (laughs) population me so you're gonna you're lucky because we're not gonna do it again and also i love how maria said well this just shows that we're back baby <laughs> also, I wasn't around for the first one, for the first attempt, so we'll see how far we can get. <laughs> without, without repetitivity. 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 Yeah. Repetition. Well, we won't I won't say what what's new and what's not new. So we'll you'll just be guessing as to what <laughs> what was talked about before and what wasn't talked about before. So all right, so today we're talking about Teresa Knorr. Despite her inherent need to control everyone around her, Teresa seemed to thrive in chaos. When she was young, she took out her issues on the men around her with manipulation, threats, and violence. But as the, man, as the men began to dwindle, Teresa, is it Teresa or Teresa? Teresa. Teresa, right? Who says the reason? Yeah, I think Teresa. Well, there's an H in it. Yeah, but it's a silent H. I don't know. It's a silent. It's it a was, silent H. It was Who? the 40s. Uh, no, it was the 50s. It was the 50s. I believe. I, I was sure going to say. I was going to say whoever says Theresa is a psychopath. So she's <laughs> Theresa. She probably she's says Theresa. It's yeah. Theresa. It's Theresa. <laughs> yeah, Theresa. Theresa turned towards the only people left in her life. Her own children. This is the story of the mother from hell, Teresa Knorr. It's a story. Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) (laughs) Teresa's mom, Swanee Gay. What? That's her name. Okay. All right. So here's my conspiracy theory. All right. Here's my conspiracy theory. All right. 
the pair and we'll as you go through this you'll see that i might be right uh, the parents did not give a shit about what they named their child so they just looked at the child and they said this one's gay but they were so drunk that they said swan again swan again <laughs> maybe maybe the kid did a really effeminate move with his arm it's just like you're just like oh whatever and they were like oh that's a little swanny the mom the when she day. was a baby? Yeah. It's a okay. Yeah. Well, we can think of so many things. That's what it was. <laughs> that, that's what it was. What I said. <laughs> we don't know about her parents, but just based off of how Swanee yes. treats her kids, I have a feeling that this this checks. It's a high tom it's a <laughs> so. high chance that they were drunk at all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Teresa's mom, Swanee Gay, was a widow. When she met Teresa's father, James Cross, her previous husband had died in a work accident. Not important to the story. The two married and began working on having kids. Both parents firmly believed boys were superior and hoped to have some. Alas, Great. they had two girls. No! Uh, uh, darn it. Those aren't boys. Those are not boys. They named them no. Rosemary and Teresa. Swanee, though, also had two kids from her first marriage, Bill and Clara. Now, they don't come up a lot, but when they do come out, you're like, okay. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Love my boy, Bill. It's me, Swanee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably pretty <laughs> I, dead on for the time. I have <laughs> another conspiracy theory about her name. Maybe she, what their parents want to name her Fannie Mae, but then they were so drunk. They said Swanee Gay. So <laughs> that could be also, that can, that can also be. That's a pretty solid, either way, solid, solid either way, drinking was involved in naming this child. Either way. So Bill was the oldest and the only male. And Teresa, sorry, Teresa was the youngest. Bill was forgiven for every bad move he made. And he made a lot. He was a destructive force and a murderer who would eventually die in prison. To illustrate how little their parents cared about their daughters, Clara hadn't even been given a name until she was a teenager. Jesus Christ! Her birth certificate simply said, Baby Tap. Her biological father's last name, Tap. Baby <laughs> Tap. So sad. And it adds to Lori's swinge theory. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, that whole family has a has a history of not really caring about the daughters. It'd be really <laughs> wild if, like, on her birth certificate, it said, Ugh. "It might as well." Ugh. It's a baby. Mm. It's like BB. It's not even B A B one. BB. Yeah, because the mom's already <laughs> drunk at in the labor delivery room. Yeah, it's a baby tub. Yeah, baby. I'm about pregnant, so I can drink whatever I want. Yeah. So, okay. Sh shut your face. Okay. Yeah, baby. <laughs> don't be don't be judging me, baby. <laughs> She's looking mad and drunk with her baby. The fuck's your problem? What, you, what, the, what the fuck are you looking at? You can't even support yourself. You fucking shut up, baby. <laughs> Clara would eventually marry and move out after spending much of her teenage life taking care of her half sisters. During early childhood, Teresa's parents were able to provide a middle-class living. 
Neighbors don't remember anything particularly odd about the cross home. Visitors describe the house vibe as boring and quiet, which, according to Lori, means abusive. <laughs> well, I just I just know I from personal experience that it's a fair boring theory. and quiet. Yeah, means that you know everything's happening when people aren't there. So yeah, yeah and what the fuck theory. is happening? But you're totally right. It's much like you feel safer going, like you said yesterday, and we lost the recording. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. That you feel safer yeah. going into a house where everybody's loudly arguing about stuff. Yeah. In a quiet I love, uh, I love an Italian house or mm-hmm. a, a, a Jewish house where everyone's just yelling at each other and, <laughs> and, be, and everything's right out in the open. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. But go into a German or a wasp house where everything's quiet and everyone's just staring at you and you can hear a pin drop somebody's somebody's getting hit <laughs> in the bedrooms yeah that's so, very true yeah. that freaks me out <laughs> bunch of bodies in the basement that we just don't talk about oh no yeah yeah no i uh, it, it it creeps me out so their mom swanee was said to be a nice lady one neighbor said she was quote a friendly person, a little on the heavy side, but neighborly. <laughs> Which fuck that guy? No, no. <laughs> like, uh, let, let, let's also talk about the, the fact that this neighbor is just super judgmental. She's a nice lady, yeah. little chunky, little, little, little flubby. <laughs> nice lady, like nice ladies can't also be chunky. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, what flubby. a dick. <laughs> nice lady. Look, I'm not chubby, saying that. Not great toes. <laughs> Not that I'm a toe guy, but if I was, I wouldn't be into it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God she? I'm not, because I would have nothing to look for Where in this neighborhood. Where is she, sir? Where is she? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, Swanee's not the best woman, all right? And I think case in point is Teresa, or yes. Theresa. Uh, but, but, I mean... Fuck that neighbor, you know. Like, why? Why you got it? Why you got to fat shame a lady? <laughs> you I know? don't. I don't just let it. I don't know. I, yeah. yeah, just let it be. But you know, okay, it is weird how much of a role weight plays throughout the story, as we'll see. Most of the time, Ugh. when we when I read a source and it's a when I have a book, it's normally the author. Just the author's like, and she was fat, like Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, yeah, King, yeah. Stephen King's uh-huh. dis- disdain for fat people is incredible. <laughs> well, you know why? He, I read his book about writing, mm-hmm. and he talked about how he had a very large German nanny who used his punishment would pin him on the couch, sit on him, and fart on him. Oh my god! And that was that's how he she punished him. So <laughs> that's so, so funny. Every he's fat a, person is just a monster. He's all right now. He's like he was a lard lad of a boy, sweating butter. <laughs> As he walked, his legs yeah. churned and it produced itself. <laughs> like oh my god, Steve, take it easy. Um, we will see that Teresa herself has a peculiar way of perceiving health and weight issues. Oh. And perhaps it stemmed from her mother's struggles with her health. Because Swanee had a history of clogged arteries and other health problems that likely weren't properly cared for in the 1950s. When Teresa was 15, 
Did you want to say something about the 1950s, Lori? I saw you shaking your head. I was, was going to say, I was going to say something, but then I was like, no, I think you pretty much summed it up. It's the 1950s. <laughs> it's the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. drinking fucking onions in their cocktails and milk it with steak and yeah, Ugh. yeah, uh, macaroni. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten doctors are recommending you smoke cigarettes. Yeah, yeah they're all yeah. smoking. They're smoking well, in, in the doctor's office. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. They're just like touching their junk and then smoking cigarettes yeah. and then touching your junk. It's gross. You know what I think your problem is? Yeah. You're not smoking enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, quit all that running. You yeah. gotta start smoking some cigarettes. <laughs> Get that healthy tar in your lungs. There you go. <laughs> when Teresa was 15, the stability she knew began to fall apart. Her father was diagnosed with Parkinson's and her mother had to become the breadwinner. Shortly after that, Swanee would die of a heart attack. She was walking with Teresa to the grocery store when it happened and died in her daughter's arms. Months later, Rosemary got engaged and moved out. Teresa was left to care for her father, whose health was rapidly deteriorating. They had sold the house after Swanee died and were living in cramped quarters. A lot of people speculate, speculate that this seismic shift in Teresa's life drove her need to look for stability and control to a fault. I also, um, <clears throat> I think it was an article I read or a video I watched, I forgot what it was, but it was an interesting thing about um, how trauma affects the brain. And one of the things this guy said was that if you have if you if something happens that's super traumatic to you um, at a young age, emotionally, you could it's it can sort of seal you in that emotional state. And it's it it's almost impossible to grow out of that emotional state. So, I mean, I you know, I'm not an expert and this is just pure speculation, but it could it could be that, you know, I mean, this happened in a matter of months. Didn't you say, Maria? Yeah, matter this months. all all yeah. this. Yeah. So that could be a, a severe, you know, traumatic experience. And that could have, you know, she would probably just be forever like a 15, 16 year old emotionally. Yeah, she definitely was. She sucks. So she like, <laughs> yeah. she sucks. Which we, yeah. <laughs> which we all agree. 15 or 16 year old teenage girls are the worst. At 16, Teresa set out to look for a provider. After all, she had never been taught to get a job. She met and quickly married 21-year-old Clifford Sanders. You'll do. <laughs> she dropped out of high school, married him in Reno, moved her father into their new home, and started working on a family. Their first child was a boy. Hey, all they got right, the boy. All right, sick. Named Howard. But the honeymoon phase was over quickly for all of them. Whoa. Both Teresa and Clifford were volatile when they were drink, when they would drink, and they drank a lot. <laughs> to say Teresa was possessive is a grave understatement. She accused Cliff of cheating on her. It drove Cliff crazy to be accused and ridiculed, and eventually the two would come to blows over it every time. Yeah, che yeah, cheating on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did you do that? Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah. 
Cliff was six foot nine and would Dancing. easily overpower five foot four Teresa. Hold on, these two are reveling in their drunken, <laughs> drunken fight. You know what's sad? It's a reality for some. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. that's rough. Oh, boy. Here we are. Here we are. Just laughing at it. Okay. Keep going, please. <laughs> when Teresa got pregnant again, Cliff turned the tables and accused her of cheating. Uh, yeah. Uh, you this yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah, you shut up. You shut up. The whole time the dad's watching this, just like, gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and he can't, he can't move. He's like, I love this show. (laughs) I don't know what the deal is with James, but he obviously had something to do with what resulted in of his daughter sure you know but oh for sure that's for sure yeah we but we don't know we don't know what happened he is bedman so their neighbor teresa and cliffs their neighbor was a sheriff's deputy who urged teresa to report her husband when he saw her with bruises she did report him once but refused to file charges against him when push came to shove but it turned out teresa was no wilting flower for her husband. In July of 1964, Cliff had had enough. Okay. He went out on a Sunday night to celebrate his 23rd birthday. He's only 23? <laughs> 23rd birthday! He's an old hat by now. I was thinking of guys like fucking in his 40s. No, no. 21. She was no. 16 and he was 21. Remember when they met? Oh, that's when right. When they got married. It just sound, it sounds like a late 30s or like 40s. Yeah, sort of it's, they have oh, hardcore it's... fucking problems <laughs> yes. for their age. He went out for his I'm... 23rd birthday. Imagine being 23 and you're already an alcoholic. You're already in a miserable marriage, and you already have two kid uh, or one kid with a second one on the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that would—that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> I would be like, I—I I mean, oh man. I imagine <laughs> that he just is like, w- w- I'm not going to live to thirty. And I'm sure <laughs> this like, is my midlife crisis. <laughs> we don't. I don't know what Cliff did for a living, but you know, it also sucked. You know, he was like in his 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 spine was like. 77 for whatever reason yes his he worked in the yeah, mines his, or some fucking shit like his life sucks yeah he <laughs> yeah he was like he was like in charge of like you know he had to drain porta potties hands first or something like he wasn't you know <laughs> jesus Christ. he was i mean cliff obviously his job was, was not great yeah he was obviously an abusive guy but this life did suck um so um, he went out to celebrate his 23rd birthday. And when he returned to the house that night, they argued again. And he told Teresa that he had decided to leave her the next day. Oh, and never didn't... give him time. Never give him time. <laughs> right. Always. Da- you know what? Don't even let them know. Just be like, 
I'm going yeah. out for cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. We didn't yeah. let you guys know, exactly. and it was better. We were better for it, and you're better for yeah. it. <laughs> we were like, yeah. hey, we we'll, just... be, we'll be right back. <laughs> it was like, yeah. good night. Um, <laughs> we just kept telling you we were coming back eventually. And, mm. you know, eventually you guys were just like, all right, I guess I'll just have to take your word for it. But you know what you didn't do? You didn't try and kill us. Yes. So we went. <laughs> And we came back because you didn't try and kill us. <laughs> that was the main reason. That is so nuts when someone's just like, you know what? I think I'm gonna leave you. <laughs> well, I was, I was, I was speculating that he says this a lot. I'm leaving. Oh, you yeah. what? You know? Because do you watch? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm gonna be gone. Yeah, going anywhere. I'm gonna go. Oh yeah, oh, you can go. As soon as I remember where the car. Yeah, yeah, a car. <laughs> See, it's fun. It's great. It's fun. It's, great. it's a fun way to just live your life. Talking like this, not 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 doing it. Yeah, yeah. So the next morning, Teresa claims Cliff roughed her up and said once again that he was going to leave her alone and poor. Teresa heard this, received this, and then walked into the bedroom while Cliff picked up his packed suitcase and turned to open the door. Teresa grabbed and cocked the Winchester rifle and shot Cliff in the back. After shooting him, she picked up the baby and ran to the deputy neighbor's house. She was convinced that she, at least she told the deputy, that she was convinced that she had shot Cliff in the arm and was terrified he was really hurt. When the other officers arrived, Teresa had worked out her story. She claimed Cliff had hit her already that morning, then left the room. And when she heard him coming back, she grabbed the rifle out of fear and fired blindly at him. And then after that, she blacked out. The deputy, the deputy led a crying Teresa into a squad car where he broke the news that her husband had indeed died. Oh, darn it. Clever, clever. Mm. Mm. Oh, no, my husband. <laughs> At the trial... The prosecution argued that Teresa premeditated the murder. Their key witness was Cliff's sister, Lydia. Also, by the way, he has been shot in the back. So I know forensics weren't what they are now, but he was shot in the back. So the fact that no, like, I mean, I think the prosecution did try to use that part of the forensics. They were like, well, he was shot in the back, so he wasn't coming at her. He was at the door. (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to see the opposing lawyer be like, yeah, your honor, oh, I'm pretty sure this is a man with back knee. And when you have back knee, there's only one thing that's going to scratch it. Cold hard steel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say for shits and gigs. <laughs> the man had a habit of using his yeah. rifle as a back scratcher. Yeah, we all do it. 
I know I do. Yeah. Let me stop you there. And I <laughs> I remember that because that was actually the first uh, case where it was uh, shits and gigs was actually you. Yeah. So yeah. That was the. But, yeah. <laughs> when the judge said, let me stop you there. He's like, shits and gigs. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I'm going to use it. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> and then it became the, the people versus shits and gigs. <laughs> shits and gigs. <laughs> Shits v. Giggs. <laughs> so their key witness was Cliff's sister, Lydia, who testified that Teresa had previously told her that if he ever tried to leave her for another woman, she'd kill him. Whoa. She What's also- wrong with his sister? Yeah. What's, I mean, your you, uh, brother's wife just keeps saying, I'm going to murder him. I have a gun. I'll do it. And you're just like, okay. Bye. Thanks, Terry. I'll see you later. Just the bare minimum of what you have to do to interact with her. Just say, like, uh-huh. It's been nice talking to you. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. I pointed the gun at him several times while he's sleeping. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> this does seem like if you watch New New Jersey Housewives, it is very much very much a Teresa Giudici. And uh, sister-in-law move where she would be like, I'm going to kill your, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill your husband. If you don't do, if he, if you don't do what I say. Well, it's the opposite (laughs) of that. Because isn't Teresa the one who's like kind of in love with her brother? And like, it's clear that they want to hump each other. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, they're super weird. The whole, the whole like show is them being like, is her being like way too attached to her brother. Have people talked about it on the show? I think people made jokes about it, yeah. Yeah. Like, not in an actual way, but just in a way where they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Well, she's my sister. He's my brother. They're gross. They're gross. <laughs> they're gross about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we sit on each other's laps. It's Jersey. Lydia also <laughs> testified oh, <right. laughs> that, she, that Teresa would not only drive Cliff to and from work, but he... She would only give him 50 cents for lunch every day so that women at nicer restaurants wouldn't eye him. The prosecution's strategy was damaged, though, when they called up Cliff's brother to the stand, who kept saying that he was going to kill Teresa himself. And he kept screaming about getting a gun until he was forced out of the courtroom. I will get a gun. I will shoot that woman right there. Yes, I know. Stop making fun of my voice. I know I sound like a puppet. <laughs> I'll do it. The defense used this outburst, this outburst to prove that Clifford and his family were unpredictable. What? Also, also on their side was Teresa's own tearful testimony as an abused woman that was also young, white, pretty, and pregnant. On the charge of murder in the first degree, Teresa was found not guilty. <gasps> that's how you get away with murder. Here it is. And <laughs> that's one of the old hats coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teresa quickly that's moved on. A few months later, she was seeing a quadriplegic named Lee Thornsbury. Lee was head over heels for Teresa. I know. How? <laughs> I'm going to slide right past. I'm going to slide right past. (laughs) Lee also tried 
and don't ask how again, Lee also took care of Cliff's second baby, Sheila, once she was born. Because huh. Teresa... I, I feel like there's a, strings were involved. You know, like she would tie a string to the baby and then tie it to Lee. And then... <laughs> we are back and we are dark. Teresa would go out nearly every night, trolling for guys at the local bars. When people in their small town had questions about it, Teresa had told people that she was Lee's caregiver and nothing more. Lee's sister, who would often come over and help them take care of his kids because obviously he can't do it himself. Sorry, not his kids, their kids. Yeah. Remembers some foreboding details about Teresa's motherhood. She says Teresa would often neglect both children sometimes leaving them in the car for hours while she drank at bars. She recalls that Teresa told her that she fully intended to raise her kids like her mother raised her, favoring the boy over the girl. Lee, That's for, so crazy. Oh, it's, no, no, it's, it is insane. It is, and also to be like, once again, to your sister-in-law or potential sister-in-law and be like, I'm going to treat my girls like shit. I don't know what you did. Yeah. But that's exactly what I'm going to do. I feel like that's like an old school way of thinking where like if you look at like boomers or or older uh I don't forget what the next next generation after boomers. The greatest generation. But, um Oh, the greatest generation. I don't know. Um they'll be like they'll be like, "Oh, because of how they grew up and their, you know, their ego, they're like, well, obviously that's the way to do it." And it's like, no, you were, you survived abuse. Like, yes. that's how you grew up. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, you, not everyone should do is like, my father, my father drank beer and gave me beer when I was six years old and I grew up fine. It's like, no, you have a failing liver. Like, you're, you're an alcoholic now. Yeah. <laughs> they barely just did not die. Yeah. So Lee, for his part, eventually grew tired of Teresa making him a fool. And moved out. Good for him. Yeah. He, I hope wherever he is, if he's, he's probably not alive, but it, I hope he was able to find somebody. Yeah. I hope somebody loved him. Yeah. That was fine with her though. Cause word around town was that she had hooked up with a young soldier who didn't know or didn't care what he was getting into. Hmm. Robert Knorr was a 17-year-old Marine. His brother had introduced them while Bob was back from basic training because Bob was still a virgin and everyone in town knew Teresa was the perfect girl to fix that. Yeah, he's young, dumb, and full of cum. <sighs> yes. So she went above and beyond with him and Bob was convinced that he wanted to marry this woman before shipping off. Being 17, though, his parents still needed to give their consent, which they did not because they knew there was something wrong with Teresa and they warned their son that she was hiding something. Oof. Bob only knew what Teresa wanted him to know. He had no idea that her, that her first husband was dead by her hand. And at first he didn't even know it about the kids. Jesus. <laughs> you might need to mention that. Well, when he left to complete training in Hawaii, she followed. And she followed with the kids, so I guess maybe that's how she told him. If you're there, we're here. 
Who's we? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> and for a split second, he's like, that was weird. She said, we. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> what? Once there, Teresa completed her ritual, sucking Bob into the vortex that was her vagina. Is that what you wrote? Yeah. Because I can't think of it any other way. It is just that's, a dark void. That's perfect. She that's sucked perfect. him into, his, into a vortex vagina. Yes. By the time he was about to ship off to Vietnam, she was pregnant with his first child. Bob survived the deepest horrors of man in Vietnam. Oh, my God. Including two shootings, a landmine, and earned a Purple Heart to return to Teresa. Oh. They married when she was seven months pregnant, and he was 18. 18. He's 18. <laughs> and he's all. already received a Purple Heart? I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. That means he's been Jesus. through fucking hell, guys. He's been through hell to come back to, yeah. to her. Yeah. No oh, sooner man. had they said, I do, when Bob realized that the only thing more horrible than a bloody war was his wife. So to start. Huh. I'm listening. I'm listening. Let's just. To start, both of them drank a lot. He was only nine. But at this point, he's only 19. But they both went to bars where Teresa would get other guys to hit on her and bait Bob into fighting for her honor. Oh, my God. Wow. What a fucking... Wow. Jesus. While they were out... <laughs> yeah, he's... he's While they were out, Bob's aunt and uncle, Evie and Pat, helped take care of little Sheila and Howard. Because remember, they're still, like, around. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> And they quickly learned about Teresa's twisted child-rearing methods. Evie noticed that Teresa was extremely strict with her children. But while Howard was a rambunctious boy who was occasionally scolded, Sheila was blatantly abused. If the one-and-a-half-year-old did so much as spill milk on the table, Teresa would slap her and sit her in front of the TV to stare at a dark screen for hours. By 18 months, Sheila still didn't speak, but she ate with a fork and was terrified of getting dirty. Oh. It's so sad. That's very sad. Are you guys texting each other? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> be so rude. <laughs> Listen to her going no, on and on about this case. She's really done a bunch of research. We're pieces of shit yeah. for doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. She's doing a great job. Yes, we should is. tell her. No, ah. let's keep it a secret. <laughs> Guys, are you listening? <laughs> Once when Evie came to visit them, Sheila's little head was shaved with cuts all over her scalp. Oh my God. When she asked Teresa if Sheila had been picking at it, Teresa said that every time she put the razor down on her daughter's head, she wanted to dig into the little girl's brain, but didn't go through with it, which made her a hero. She made it very clear with everything she said and did that she didn't care at all for her daughter. But God forbid any of her kids make her look bad. 
because everything from their clothes to the home was immaculate. Always. She would have it no other way. Evie and Pat resolved to try to take Sheila away from her abusive mother and raise her as their own. Their opportunity came when Teresa was about to give birth to Susan, the third child. She handed Sheila and Howard over to Evie and Pat for a while. Six months, that's a long time already, but six months into her stay with her aunt, Sheila said her first words, a complete sentence in the car on the way to the candy store. She asked Pat, Daddy Pat, buy me an icy. Yeah, that that to me shows that she knew how to talk, but she was just too afraid to. That's yeah. so sad. I mean, that's crazy. She had been, yeah, she had been just terrified into just not, not showing yeah. any part of her that is alive, basically. Man, I and, really hate I that. mean, yeah. That kind of like survival instilled in such a young child it's awful yeah teresa and bob continued arguing and she began threatening him claiming she would kill him if he ever tried to leave her so here he comes the threats start up by now bob and his family knew about her first husband and her threats were taken seriously three months after teresa gave birth to her third child she was pregnant again Bob had been assigned to burial escort duty, and he flew all over the United States returning the remains of fallen soldiers to their homes. But Teresa hated this. She always needed to know exactly where he was, so she always needed to know the name of the funeral home that he would be at in each place, and the hotel, and any diner he would go eat at, and she would call every hour to make sure he was where he needed to be. Jesus. Without cell phones. This is back when the wall we had was landlines. That's a lot of work. A lot of work. So she can't be a mother and be a a stalker. I mean, that's, (laughs) those are two full-time jobs. She can have it all. That's, that's find my phone. But you know, the first version. Find my husband. (laughs) Find my husband. (laughs) My cheating husband. (laughs) While he was away, Teresa left the newborn. I don't know. So this is this is amazing. This, not amazing in a good way, but just how did she do all three of these things? Because while he was away, Teresa also left the newborn with three-year-old Howard and her physically disabled father to go drink. So she was drinking, stocking, mothering, and cleaning because her whole thing is like the house was always like, what do you call it? Spotless? Spot and span. <laughs> Spick and span. I, I knew it was something that sounded racist. And they, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say yeah, it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad I could be a service. We can always count on you, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's what I bring. That's what I bring to the table. <laughs> so she would leave the baby with Howard, who's also a baby because he's only three, and her disabled father. And James Cross, who was unable to move from the Parkinson's at this point, had to instruct the toddler on how to feed and change his baby sister while a pregnant Teresa went day drinking in the bars around town. Mm. Oh, man, that is a that is a nightmare situation. Imagine trying to get a child to do anything. Oh, so not, sad. Not being able to do it for them. 
I can't and even... just them oh. just looking at you like wide eyed and just like I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> oh, just the the thought of a baby, a little toddler trying to pick up a baby is so scary and sad. I oh. know. That's <laughs> <Nice> baby. <laughs> it took a year for Teresa to demand for Sheila back. And it wasn't even a planned thing. She flew off the handle when Sheila visited and she saw that the baby had nail polish on. Teresa thought that soon that Evie and Pat would try to adopt her. And not that she cared if the baby left, but she wanted to continue to collect the government check that came with her. Everyone was afraid that Teresa would kill Bob at the slightest provocation again, mm-hmm. you know. So Evie and Pat did not fight her on it, and they gave Sheila back immediately and walked away. Oh, man, that's awful. That's awful. a shame. On September 15th, 1967, her fourth child, William Knorr, was born. By 1968, she was pregnant again with another boy, Bob's namesake, Robert Knorr. Bob's assignment ended, but Bob didn't find a civilian job, and money started to get tight. They had already driven themselves into debt when Bob was working, because Teresa liked to keep up appearances, and the house was outfitted with nice furniture and top-of-the-line appliances, (laughs) and they all had nice clothes. She put all of it on credit, and then avoided paying any of it off. They fled from the creditors by moving to Washington. There, they moved in, in near Bob's friends from the service. Sorry, there they moved near Bob's friend from the service, Duke. After Teresa was caught, Duke gave his two cents about the couple. He said Bob was a nice guy, great drinking buddy, but he didn't have any job skills. Duke had a different opinion about Teresa. Terry was a beautiful blonde back then. She would always wear sweaters to show off her boobs. She knew she was looking good and wore tight slacks, too. Kathleen, my ex-wife, was a little jealous of her because Kathleen was short and stocky and kind of all business. She wasn't quite as beautiful and stunning as Terry. She'd say, gee whiz, that sweater's about two sizes too small for her. (laughs) God, I hate my wife. (laughs) Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a fucking douchebag I love that her name is Kathleen I that's know. the perfect name Kathleen yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah god and he's just like staring out the window watching her watching Terry cause uh-huh. he calls her Terry he's like, look yeah. at Terry he's like mm-mm-mm <laughs> <Like, Boobs>. Kathleen <laughs> dressed like Hillary Clinton <laughs> just like look the fuck are you doing over there dude I'm looking at a tall glass of ice water not a short cup of old teen like you. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, <geez>. Hateful, <laughs> hateful. Bob says. Man. So Bob says he could never quote unquote confirm if Teresa and Duke had slept together, but he did come home once. He said to find Duke in his bed and Teresa walking around in a nightgown. Well, (laughs) but here's the thing. Bob had been over it for years now. He didn't say anything because he truly didn't give a fuck anymore. He hated his wife 
and he hated Washington. And he just wanted to get back to California. I could see that. If yeah. I was in Washington, I'd be like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> we go back, yeah. to, back home. And to be fair on all sides, Bob was no saint. <gasps> what? <He> had, <laughs> yeah. He had a drug problem. And we don't know which drug for sure, but he was in Nam, so it was probably something. Aspirin. Like, yeah, obviously. Antacids. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you've got to stop mainlining aspirin. He's like, I'm in pain. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. But That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> so they moved back to Sacramento once his veteran's disability got approved, bringing in a little bit more money. Teresa continued to control every aspect of his life, from driving him to work to forbidding him from watching TV shows with women in them. Oh, man. <laughs> He's watching the Muppet show. She's like, nope, Miss Piggy. She's such a whore. Yeah. Such a whore. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, I'm going to go fuck this guy. Don't you dare watch Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't cute. know why. They're from Sacramento. I don't know why I keep making them <laughs> Southern. I don't Sorry. know. The- Sorry to every Southerner. Not all Southerners are bad. I don't know why I keep making them Southern. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how about we'll stop doing accents when they stop taking away women's rights. That, that'll be a, a fair trade. <laughs> I'll leave that part in. Yeah. <laughs> Their heated arguments eventually turned physical and they finally divorced in 1970 after like, you know, fighting and hitting and him watching her abuse the kids and not doing anything about it. And da, da, da. Um, the, the day he left, he must have just been so nervous. <laughs> he must have just been like, all right, I'm going li- to... Where, where are you? Where are you? I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's happening? He probably like set her up with a buddy of his to make sure she wasn't <laughs> home. <laughs> Dude, he's like... This is my hot friend, Jason. What do you think of Jason? What do you think of Jason? Not bad, huh? I'm going to walk over there. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. With a bunch of suitcases. Hey, I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say it like that? (laughs) All right. All right. Um. So they divorced right before she gave birth to her sixth and final child, her namesake, Teresa Terry Marie Knorr. So now that makes Howard, Sheila, Susan, Bill, Robert, and Terry. Jesus Christ. Six kids. After their divorce, Bob stayed local and met someone else, a woman named Georgia. And even though their divorce was final, Teresa stalked them around town. He decided to stop trying to see his children for the sake of his relationship. Oh my god. <laughs> can I can I commend him for that because It's a tough choice though. Can I commend him for that? Because not enough guys not enough guys do that. Not enough guys leave their kids behind for a new woman. Yeah, not enough guys say, you know yeah. what? My lady's not gonna like this. Figure it out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> too many props. men are like, 
I want to be with my children no matter yeah, what. Exactly. You know? And it's like, ugh, all right, same old story. Oh, we get it. You love your kids. Ugh. Yeah, move on. I, I cut this out, but I can't fucking help but add it back in that um, Teresa was unsurprisingly racist. Oh, was and she? She was, yeah. So, and Georgia was Mexican. Oh. And so she would be like, um, she would be like, you can come by and see the kids if you don't bring the Mexican. Or, and then she would be like, you should leave that wet back and come back to me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you've really made a captivating argument, but I'm going to have to decline. <laughs> yeah. You know, just once, just once, I would love it if there was a woman who was a terrible mother who killed, probably ends up killing all, some of her children. And she wasn't a racist. Can we? Is that too much for ask for? Yeah. Can we just have yeah. that? It is. Is that? No. Can we just have that? Like, you know what? Kill your kids. Don't be racist. All right. I almost don't be racist. I'm no. I'm going to disagree. I prefer it the other way, where it's like, if you're going to be a murderer, you, I guess, go ahead and be racist because you're like, it's bad. Yeah. Like, it's all bad, and it's, it's, you know. Yeah. If we start to believe like- that racists, that all racists are murderers, then who's to say we're wrong? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's sort of, it's sort of like when you cheat on your diet and you're like, I'm just gonna get everything from Chipotle, and so you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna be all the all the hateful things. I'm gonna be homophobic. I'm gonna be racist. Yeah. <laughs> why 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 bother? I've killed my kids. Yeah. Why do I need to censor myself? Yeah, you know, you don't have to have a cheat meal. Have a cheat day. That's uh, the way to do it. There you go. <laughs> oh boy. So out of the blue. Teresa called Bob complaining about his son, Robert Jr. She said the doctor had diagnosed him as slow and she didn't want him. Bob and Georgia eagerly took in the boy. The two-year-old couldn't walk, talk, wasn't potty trained, or eat anything or could eat anything besides baby food. In just two weeks of being with his dad, the boy made progress in all those things. Oh, that's nice. They asked to keep him. But of course, Teresa refused. She wanted him back right away. And away from the Mexican. (laughs) She had primary custody and they had no choice. Going to court to fight the judge's original ruling wasn't really an option at the time. And California wouldn't pass a joint custody statute until nine years later in 1979. Wow. So, so that was that. He had no choice. He had to give the baby back. A judge sucks. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, not. You know what's also interesting um, that the author points out is that the judge, she so happened to get the same judge for like almost all of her marriages and divorces. Really? Super weird. Um, and it, it, the judge has never interviewed or anything, and he's dead. By the time the book is written, so... Maybe she was making some house calls. Maybe. Um, But it wouldn't be the same judge for custody, so who knows what happened. Okay. So, as they grew up, Teresa filled her kids' heads with vile about their dad. She told the older kids that their dad had a drug problem when they were very... uh, and And when they were little, that he beat them. As adults... The kids weren't sure if their dad have, had ever really hit them or if it was a bunch of false memories implanted by their mother. Mm. 
It took Teresa another year and working at a topless bar before she met her next husband, a railroad, a railroad worker named Ron Pulliam. We'll call him Ron One for a little bit. <laughs> Ron One was a good stepfather to the kids. He immediately took them as his own and cared for them and married Teresa. He was a good provider. Despite oh, being married, nice. yeah, he was really nice. He's nothing wrong with Ron. He was like, these are good kids. I'm going to raise them. And here's a house. And I love you. Uh, but despite being married, she continued to go above and beyond trying to harass Georgia and Bob. She tried suing them for all kinds of different things. And they simply ran out of money to fight her off. Bob chose to stop contacting Teresa again. So he lost contact with the kids. A year and a half later, Ron showed up at Bob's door. He said he couldn't find Teresa. She'd been, she'd been gone for days and had left him with the kids again. It was nothing new. It was just for longer this time. It had actually only taken them a few months of living together before Teresa had stopped playing housewife and hit the streets, disappearing for a few days at a time. Damn, that's fucking um, scandalous. Scandalous. And it's a small town. That's some horror shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> that is. What are you into? I do horror shit. <laughs> that is totally what she's into. <laughs> yeah. Teresa, I do horror shit nor. I do horror shit nor. Yeah. For sits and gigs. Yeah. You hear about that? <laughs> I did hear Go about on. that. At the courthouse. At the courthouse. Seven months into their marriage, Ron One had filed for divorce, Good but he him. continued living with Teresa. Even though they kept making up, though, Ron One never rescinded the divorce, and it ended up going through. When it was all said and done, Teresa demanded Ron buy her a new house, and if he didn't, she said that she would keep taking him back to court to contest the current house's ruling as her own. So basically, she was like, I will make your life a living hell. Mm-hmm. And Ron One was like, Fine. And he bought her a house for $21,000 because it's 1973, which is fucking God. And he's rich. He's rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, her, and her new house happened to be a few miles from her sister's house, Rosemary, who she had been competing with her whole life. Her sister, now an adult, was an accountant and had a seemingly happy family. And it drove Teresa wild with jealousy. Wow. Also around this time, Teresa's half-brother, Bill, you guys remember him, mm-hmm. was making headlines. Yep. After a 20-year history in and out of prison, he had been charged with the murder of a married couple and was sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> when you said he's making headlines, my first thought was like, oh, is he succeeding in business? <laughs> did, 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 he, did he sell a script? <laughs> yeah. He's in Variety. <laughs> yeah, a man bill. saves entire bus full of children. Hollywood in in talks. <laughs> you know that guy from Bill from before? Well, he's a showrunner on this new project. <laughs> his track record actually included breaking his ex-wife's jaw with a bag full of buckshots. Jesus. And the kidnapping oh, and attempted murder of a waitress. Ah, of course. Yeah. Uh, well. He didn't talk. He didn't even talk to Teresa or Clara or anyone else from the family most of the time. But if you noticed, that didn't stop Teresa from naming one of her sons after him. 
Because boys are great. Boys are so yeah. cool. He's passionate. Yeah. He's passionate. <laughs> <laughs> so after Ron one left, she soon found a new man. 18-year-old Ron Bullington. Ron two. Young boys. Young. Young and wild. Young viral men. Viral. Ron two. Didn't stick around that long. He left Teresa about a year later in 1974. So word is Ron two was a mama's boy. And when mama you know, back in Texas heard about Teresa, she was like, absolutely not. Yeah, and he good. came right home. Good for her. Good, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Get back good here now. Her. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right away, I would love it if she just... If she just showed up at their house and was like, "Hi, how you, how y'all doing? All right, get your shit. We're leaving." That's probably I'd be honestly, yeah. For a while afterwards, Teresa had other boyfriends and flings, but they weren't sticking around as long. Her moods were becoming more unpredictable, and her drinking worsened. Without anyone else around to protect the children or to distract her, Teresa began to beat them all mercilessly she had a number of methods but her most common one was a plank with a handle that she called the board of education that is so ironic (laughs) right am i using that word right i don't know i I hate it i hate it this is probably just a puns this is probably the writer in me yeah i hate it when mean people and people who just have no fucking no couth try to be fucking clever yeah you know it's the board yes. of education you're gonna learn with this one fuck off dude just go back to what the fuck you were doing yeah yeah and that's the thing about also Teresa. it it's it's not the board of education though that's my thing yeah it's not <laughs> it's not but you're also absolutely right about Teresa that everybody said she had absolutely no sense of humor she never smiled she never laughed she was not funny she didn't enjoy jokes she didn't she was just serious she hated small talk she hated everything (laughs) and so this was her version of a joke which is awful don't get me wrong i'm mad about the child abuse i'm furious about the pun but it's (laughs) b-o-a-r-d oh god god okay okay There are too many types of abuse and delusion that began to surface for the young mother. But some of the behaviors the children recall are obvious signs of unchecked mental illness. And they include reminding her kids that she didn't want any of them. She hated having them. And now that she did have them, she was going to make sure they did exactly what she wanted. She also accused the kids of laughing at her when they were silent, and then she would beat them. Oh, my God. One time, Terry, the baby, received a harsh punishment after a parent-teacher conference because the teacher mentioned that she had, quote, heard so much about her when Teresa showed up. So Teresa assumed Terry was bad-mouthing her to her teacher. She locked her in a freezer that she sat on with Howard to make sure Terry couldn't get out. After beating her. Another time they were given gently used clothing from a neighbor. And Teresa assumed the kids had been telling the people that they didn't have enough clothes. 
so she whipped them until she whipped Terry until she passed out. Terry was six years old. If they hugged her too much, it was suspicious. And if they didn't hug her and kiss her enough, they were demon seeds of Bob Nor. There's a lot of people from that time that are just monsters, man. I mean, yeah. t- now, just th- yeah. it's, it's not even time. Just fucking monsters. Some people should not be born with reproductive organs, man. Yeah. Well, it's just like you were saying, it's mental illness and it's also just like an anger problem that's never been dealt with. And there's just so many things. And so she's just filled with vim and vigor and, uh, you know, just like hates everything, hates the world. And so she has these innocent kids that are, you know, doing nothing to nobody. And so she just is looking for reasons to take her anger out on them. And when you look for reasons, you can find anything. Mm. I mean, you can rationalize anything so you know it's just yeah it's just awful she'd also make the children kneel and prayed over them all day and all night and if they moved or looked away she hit them it wouldn't be until daybreak that she was convinced that the demons were gone and the kids could get up early on in their lives susan was one of the first ones to try to rebel against Teresa. And one Christmas, she went and purposely told the neighbors that they didn't have enough money for Christmas that year. And the neighborhood donated a tree, gifts, and the works. Teresa was furious, and you can imagine the beating that Susan received for this embarrassment. So, at 30 years old, not old, Teresa's 30. No. She started to pudge out. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's been pregnant six times. Yeah. She's drunk. She's drinking, you know, 24 7. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't see Maria. You guys didn't see Maria's face when she said it. <laughs> so, it was so just She started to pudge out. <laughs> As a matter of fact, man. Yeah. <laughs> She blames the kids for not being able to keep a man now, though. Like, it didn't matter. I'm not saying she couldn't keep a man because she was pudging out. I'm saying she couldn't keep a man because she's crazy, but she blamed the kids. Well, she's also, it's also because she, because, you know, men will deal with crazy if crazy is hot, but men will not deal, you know, not a lot of men will deal with uh, pudged out crazy. Very true. Pudged out crazy. Very true. This bitch started packing on the pounds. (laughs) She she didn't bring down her, isn't that like from a movie, like the level of crazy correlates with the level of hotness? And so the less crazy you are, it's because the less hot you are. I think that's something. That's from, is that Wedding Crashers? No. I don't know. Uh, anyway, okay. So like Lori said, the drink was catching up to her. Teresa was losing hope. And then Chet Harris came along. Hey, Chet Harris. Chet was an asshole. What's up? A disgusting, irreprehensible creep. Fuck you. He had been a gritty investigative reporter in his heyday. A World War II vet. A proud and intelligent writer. But he led a bad attitude, bad habits, bad food, and alcohol take over his life. I don't give a fuck about much of anything. (laughs) Blow me. (laughs) Yeah, this just in. Suck my dick. This just in. Lick my ass. Chat. (laughs) 
Now 59 years old, if he wasn't writing copy, he could find him at the American Legion Hall. Two fisting beers at the end of the bar. Also a regular here was Bob Knorr, ah. who Teresa still hadn't stopped chasing. Sh- fucking. Yeah. Whew. Perhaps it was Teresa's constant harassment that prompted Bob to introduce Chet and Teresa. <laughs> he was like, oh my God. dude. She's the ring. <laughs> he was like, dude, you're awful. I know a lady. She'll, she'll fuck you, dude. Yeah. She's yeah. the ring. She, you, have to, it, you have to give her to somebody else or she'll kill you. Seven days. Yeah. She'll fucking handwrite you a letter that yeah. says seven days. She's It Follows. Yeah. Yeah. She's the It from It Follows. Yeah. yeah. You have to have sex with somebody yeah. else. So- <laughs> but she's still bothering everybody. Fucking hell. They tied the knot after just a few weeks. You're the wedding thing. (laughs) After moving in together, she discovered that Chet had a bit of a kink. He liked to take nude pictures of women and keep them on his wall. (laughs) Ha ha, Chet. (laughs) Old Chet. Nasty Chet. Classic Chet. Chet. (laughs) He even had pictures of his ex-wives up in there. And so when Teresa found these, she lost her shit. He did take them down and put them away when they moved in. But she lost her shit. Uh, but Chet is Chet. Chet. Chet doesn't. Chet's not worried that you're worried. Hey, when Chet makes love, Chet takes notes. <laughs> what? Does it make any sense? I mean, with a picture. With a picture. Oh, take this as a picture. I get it. I get it. Chet, oh, okay. Chet doesn't need to make much sense. I can just imagine him humping a woman going left. Left. <laughs> right. Right. I, He's like, just just you know, this is going to be put on the back of a Polaroid later. I really thought that you meant that he, like, has sex and then gets up and takes notes on his little investigative reporter pad. <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> You'll correlate those with the photo after, after, the, after the jaunt. So Chet was like, do you want to take a picture for me? And she was like, no. I'm good. Shortly afterwards, Teresa started cheating on him. No surprise there. As for the kids, they didn't really like Chet. What? He creeped them out. Why? And he made fun oh. of them a lot. Come oh, okay. He I was wondering why, how an alcoholic grizzled reporter creep was going to do, was going to fare with a bunch of children. <laughs> I was hoping it'd be like... You know, it'd be like Bebe's kids where he learns to love them, you know? <laughs> Thank you for the fucking Robin Harris Bebe's kids reference, Laurie. Fucking hell yeah. You're welcome. Hell yeah. Fucking, it's about goddamn time we had a fucking Bebe's kids reference on this show. <laughs> I can also just see him being mean to the kids, just walking in, hit someone with the door. He's like, oh, fucking think fast, dumbass. Yeah, he would. He would put on the yeah. scary devil mask. And he would be like, ah, <laughs> ah surprise. Uh, he had mean nicknames. Or he just like. <laughs> mean nicknames for the kids. He, yeah. <laughs> he's just he walking by. He's walking by a kid. And he just all of a sudden just shoves, shoves the kid's face into his butt and farts. <laughs> Probably. He definitely did something like that. I feel like it's <laughs> gross. Just I'm going to call you dude. ass nose from now on. Gross ass dude who never stopped smoking cigarettes either. So he's just fucking. <laughs> like a, a cloud. Like he's like Linus, yeah, a little stink, little oh, stink like Linus. Pigpen, yeah, Pigpen. Sorry, 
Get my lighter, ass nose. He did, however, favor Susan. You're all right. <laughs> Susan was very intelligent and engaged Chet in conversations about mythology and politics. Ah. Later, because Susan's not that old. She's a little girl. But later, Susan would take an aptitude test that would show she was extremely intelligent, able to comprehend books and academics at least four years ahead of her age group. So, in essence, she was a natural genius. She was just a genius. Great. So he ha- could have actual conversations with her. So he was like, I like this one. Meanwhile, Teresa started making a show every night of sleeping with a pistol under her pillow. <laughs> it freaked Chet out. <sighs> and every time he she would- probably like... <laughs> Yeah. Took it out and like loaded it and pointed it at him yes. and then hit the chamber yeah. and put it back in her bed. <laughs> he would always be like, what are you doing with that? Why are you doing that? And she would never say a word. He's he like, never answer. I get sleeping with a gun under your fucking pillow, but what's all the, what's all the showmanship about? <laughs> 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 so that kept happening. And Chet's like, okay. Not into this. Word around town eventually, was that the marriage ended one explosive night when a friend of his called Chet and admitted that a drunk Teresa had given him a blowjob the night before. Dude, I almost finished the goddamn sentence myself. I almost finished the sentence myself. She'd be like, bro, dude, Chet, your wife gave me head, man. (laughs) And it was tremendous. And I just want to let you know. <laughs> I, I bet it was not tremendous. I, no, was like, I, it I thought it wasn't even that good, so I had to tell you. Yeah, it wasn't no, good. Dude, no. she gives bad blowjobs. Do you know about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ejaculated, but it was only because I really, really wanted to. Yeah, it it, was, it and, wasn't that. It wasn't a pl- It wasn't like a good cup. It wasn't good. <laughs> no. And Chet asked, no. too. He's like, it wasn't a good blowjob. Well, did you come? Well, yeah, I came, but I mean, you know, it's me, man. <laughs> <laughs> So Chet kicked Teresa out of his house, and she moved back into her old place before it sold. After just three months, the pair filed for a divorce. Oh, no. (laughs) Chet didn't put up a fight for anything that she demanded. In her version of events, or no, I I deleted. So he didn't put up a fight for anything she demanded. He handed over any money he had left, and then some, and resigned himself back to the American Legion Hall. That was the end of Chet. I have a feeling that that's not the end of Chet. <laughs> Ooh. At least not in this, I mean, in this story, yeah, probably. But he's out there. Oh, he's yeah. out. He's out there. <laughs> he's I can alive. tell you what happens to Chet. I know. For the, uh, the author did a great job. So maybe in part two, I'll, we'll jump into what happened to Chet. Radical. In the late 1970s, Shortly after things with Chet ended, the last string holding everything together in Teresa's mind snapped. (laughs) She stopped dating, stopped going to bars. She didn't go drinking at her friend's house anymore. She had like one friend that was probably just as shitty as her and they like talked about the paranormal a lot together. Anyway, she probably oh, kind of sucked, but she didn't go to her house anymore. She fucking cut her off. And she got rid of the phone in the house. Oh, no. She began isolating her kids 
No one was allowed to come over ever. If the neighbors tried to strike up conversation with her, she always kept it short. From the outside, the family probably seemed to prefer to keep to themselves. But behind closed doors, the children lived in terror. Sober Teresa would oscillate between merciless beatings and emotional manipulation, while drunk Teresa would lick the edges of serrated knives and throw them at her children for target practice. While doing this, no surprise here, she accidentally stabbed Sheila. So none of the kids knew this wasn't normal. Despite the extreme duress they lived under, they assumed all parents were like this, if their mom was like this. They didn't reach out for help because they didn't know they needed help. And it seemed every time they did try to tell someone about what was going on at home, it backfired. For example, while in grade school, Terry had noticed her friend showed up with bruises. And the friend admitted that her mom hit her. So Terry told her friend that her mom hit her too. Unfortunately, that girl told her own mom all about it. This strange... Dumb bitch. (laughs) This stranger, this full-grown woman, then stalked Terry back to her house, confronted her at home in the yard, and began beating her while Teresa watched from the kitchen window. It was only after 10 minutes of watching this woman wail against her own daughter that she sent Howard out to stop her. Afterwards, Teresa must have felt bad because she pawned a ring that she had created from her former wedding rings and used the money to buy Terry new clothes, a rare luxury for a family accustomed to generations of hand-me-downs and being locked in their rooms for days at a time. I wonder what that ring looked like. Hideous, probably. She probably, she seems like she has gaudy taste. Yeah, she's like, I got a bunch of tie-ties and put them all together as one big old ring. <laughs> tie-ties? Yeah, That's the guy's like, Ugh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's $50. <laughs> Please get out of my store. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Just get out of my store. <laughs> to earn some money, Teresa worked at a nursing home and enjoyed the job so much that she even completed her certified nursing assistant training. She was a certified CNA. All right. It was a steady job until a senile patient punched Teresa, causing her to fall back and injure her back and hip. Oh, no. After this, she stopped working as much and never fully recovered from the injury. The weight she was gaining didn't help her either. It's just facts. That's what the author said. <laughs> yeah. Don't come at me. After the fall, after the fall, <laughs> Teresa stayed home most of the time drinking. After the fall, Teresa wasn't the same, you know, because she was pudging out so much. <laughs> Matter of fact, she pudged out to the nth degree. <laughs> Sorry. She also spent a lot of time reading to her kids from her favorite author, Stephen King. Oh, hey, look at that. Oh, great. Great. That's probably not a good thing. <laughs> it doesn't end up being a good thing. It's super sad. Oh, great. She'd also sometimes read to them from the Bible, 
which when it happened caused the kids to fill with dread. Whenever My the, favorite book. Whenever the Bible got pulled out, it was a guarantee that night would be full of disturbing and violent behavior from their mother. Ugh. As Oof. The, yeah. As the kids got older and bigger and Teresa grew fatter and weaker, she had to find a new way to beat them into submission. So she began making Howard, the eldest boy, hold the other kids down while she punished them. Eventually, she would make all the kids hold each other down for beatings. And if they didn't, they were next. The lifetime of abuse from his mother and the lack of a consistent father figure and the absence of social development began to manifest in teenage Howard in the worst way. He began sexually abusing all of his siblings. Oh, no. When his mother found out, she did beat him with a chair. Which seems, at least from what the family spoke of, to have essentially stopped Howard from doing it anymore. Teresa told the kids that it wasn't completely Howard's fault. She claimed Bob had sexually, her, her, his dad, she claimed Bob, well, stepdad, had sexually molested Howard and Bob's entire family abused children under the guise of witchcraft. This is a lady who just goes no. and makes up, sto- makes up history. Yes. In front yeah. of you as it's happening. Yes. Where yes. it's like, I dropped the glass. Yeah. You know, like I dropped the glass on the ground and she's just like... You threw that glass at me. I saw you. Yeah. Everyone in here saw you throw that glass at my head. Yeah. And you missed because oh, yeah. you had bad aim. And you're like, dude. She's Danielle Staub from New Jersey Housewives. My God. <laughs> you need to, you need I, to watch I, something I, else. I don't know if I I'm can't. more upset about the reference or more upset that I know who that is. You know who it is because she's insane. She's a toxic. It's because toxic you're watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need help you guys you both need you need to watch something else we are watching the wire i'm not watching the show no it, it is not a good thing that those are the only two shows you yes, are currently watching they cur- they equally well, no, they well, e- they well, balance each other out we're also watching succession and yellow jackets and we gotta throw something else up in there i'm not paying attention to those i only have enough time for two <laughs> <laughs> so you need to watch something light and funny may i recommend grand crew that's a very light it's a light show it's like cheers Ah, but it's you know it's light it's funny (laughs) nothing ever happens real jersey housewife have have light episodes is there a horror element to the show i'm kidding Howard stopped raping his siblings, and he started trying to find new ways to escape. So he started getting drugs, and then quickly started dealing drugs out of the house. Barely in junior high, he did everything he could get his hands on, including crack, and got his siblings high. The kids, ages 7 to 14, Howard being the oldest, used the drugs as an escape from their perpetual house arrest. While Teresa turned a blind eye to this. Because remember, she's always home, so she knows what's fucking going on. It doesn't work. She turned a blind eye to this because she chose to only see the money that Howard was bringing into the house. 
But he was charging his siblings, so wasn't it? He just charging money from the house to. No, he was dealing. To, he, he, I don't. I think he gave the siblings drugs, but he was dealing. Oh, he was dealing to the other neighborhood kids and people out of the house. Oh, okay. I was just thinking of it like when I had that paper when we had to sell the gift wrap paper, and I like my mom bought like twenty <laughs> rolls, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, we I sold so much paper," and my mom's like, "I." You didn't sell it. You didn't I sell just it. Bought. Yeah. Now we <laughs> just have a bunch of paper. <laughs> yeah. Sheila, the eldest daughter, dropped out in the ninth grade. She did have learning disabilities. Um, and it's clear her environment didn't promote growth or an interest in learning. But her brother would later say, like, you know, she was smart or she she knew how to do things. She just chose not to. Because, like, Lori said when Sheila was little, you know, she was taught not to. Right. Taught not to show. Now mostly living off an occasional housekeeping gig and the kids' social security checks, Teresa was always fighting to stay just above water. She figured out that Sheila might qualify for a disability check. So she told Sheila not to shower for a week. And Sheila... And she, Sheila, like, like understood what was happening and why they were going to go have an interview. So Sheila took the lie in further for her mom and smeared poop in her hair, arrived shoeless. Oh, my God. And barely answered any of the test questions and managed to get her mom another check. So she made her mom very happy. Wait a second. <laughs> so... These people, this one, Sheila lives in the house, right? And they mm-hmm. see this girl who hasn't showered in a week, has poop in her hair, and doesn't have shoes on. And they think, well, what they need is her to go home with this mom and get more money. Like, that's insane. That's how they fix things in the 70s, Lori. Oh, my I God. Think was, oh my I think God. they were like, give her the money. Just get her out of here. I can smell the poop. Yeah, that's definitely part yeah. of it. Get her out of the office. And she also had athlete's foot. Um. Oh my god! So she she let get worse for the week ramping up to it. Obviously, without an athlete's foot, if you do not take care of it, smells. Yeah. So yeah, Ugh. that's how they decided to. Fi- I mean, that's what it was. That's what disability aid was back then, and and in a lot of places still now, where it's like, yeah. oh well, I guess we'll just give him some money. That sucks. Um, they did not at all care that Teresa was letting her live like this. Teresa. Teresa. Sheila's will had been broken a long time ago. Remember, she was the oldest. She's the oldest girl. She was docile and only wanted to make her mother happy. Not like Susan, who was beginning to question the world around her. When Chet had been around, Teresa had accused Chet of involving Susan in witchcraft when they had their conversations. Now, barely in middle school, Susan began engaging her mom in the conversations in conversations they both enjoyed. Debates about the Bible and discussions on Stephen King books gave the illusion that the mother and daughter were actually best of friends. But their debates could turn violent, and Susan learned how to scare her mother. Susan was kind of, she twisted. She told her that Chet had shown her witchcraft 
and that he was waiting for her with his coven in Rio Linda, where he had moved. And she was to become a powerful necromancer, just like them. Oh, Jesus. She oh, even, Jesus. Yeah, she riled up her mother by telling her that Chet had shown her how to stimulate herself in preparation for his deflowering of her. <gasps> All of this might... Ugh. It might sound very specific, too specific to not be true, but Susan couldn't help but Susan couldn't help but push against her mother. And by that age, the little genius had seen every Stephen King movie and read every novel along with any other literature she had access to, plus her mother's language towards her what didn't go ignored. What year is it? It's late 70s. 70, late 70s. Okay. Okay. Well, now it's the 80s, I think, when Susan starts to do this stuff. Oh, so that's a good amount of Stephen King things. Yeah. Interesting. Very like cool. The Stand was out and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. I mean, not cool, but... She just was too smart, and she knew how to push her mom's buttons. Mm. So I highly doubt, and most people do doubt, that Chet had done anything to Susan, anything of like that. Anything of the sort. Right. But she knew all about it, because Stephen King's also a little pervert in his books. Yeah. In It. Yeah. Gangbang. Sure. It's gross. Of course, the more Susan goaded Teresa, the more Teresa believed it. She told the kids that Susan had sold her soul to the devil, and she wasn't her daughter anymore. But this didn't stop Teresa from continuing to use her for her advantage. So, while cleaning the house of some disabled old pervert with her mom and sisters, Susan had a boob slip. She had a nip slip. And the guy, gross and old, went nuts for it. So Teresa told her to do it again. And, of course, he went nuts for it again. So from this point forward, Teresa allowed the man to request Susan come over and clean, and only Susan. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. At school, Susan started shoplifting and skipping class. And Teresa wouldn't really mind as long as Susan brought something home from her. Mm. But eventually, she got scared Susan would try to leave her. And she pulled her out of school and made the other kids keep watch over her day and night. After a few months of this, Susan ran away. And she was, it was like one of those things where they were fighting, and she was like, get out! And she's like, I'm fucking leaving! So she did. She left. <laughs> but she was picked up by authorities and taken to a halfway house for minors. She tried to tell the social workers there about the abuse and asked for them to call her father. Either they never called him or Bob, too busy with his new family, never agreed to actually take her in. We'll never know. Yeah. When she told social workers what her mother did to her and her siblings, they went and questioned the other kids. But when they questioned the other kids, their mom stayed in the room. So during the interviews, the kids knew better than to say anything. Oh my god. So CPS labeled Susan a runaway. Susan had tried to tell authorities and had tried to tell her dad, but no one seemed to care. So she didn't care for the fucking halfway house as is. 
and didn't want to be sent back didn't want to be sent back to her mom so she walked out and she hit the streets she started sex work mm-hmm. did drugs and found a pimp she went she after a few weeks of doing this she went back to her mom's house with her pimp and her other friends to show off and show her mother that she had people willing to beat Teresa just like Teresa beat her they had an argument, of course, and the fight broke out in the front yard. The pimps beat up Howard and Howard's bestie, Bud Watson, who happened to be there. Susan was picked up by a truancy officer a week later. And after the halfway house got fed up with her, she was released back to her mother. Oh, no. Yeah, she was just sent right back. <clears throat> Teresa promised that Susan had no idea what abuse was. But she was about to find out. Oh, man. When they got home, she made every child beat Susan. And then she handcuffed her daughter to the bed. And if she wasn't handcuffed to the bed, she was handcuffed to the kitchen table from that point forward. Once Susan was was sequestered at home, she kicked the demon act that she had going before Mm -hmm. in high gear. She would go into trances where she would speak as the demon inside of her. And she would tell the family that she saw visions of her brother Howard killing the family. And their mother was nowhere to be found in her visions. She affirmed Teresa's beliefs that Susan was out to get her. And reminded her that every day, every day that Teresa got fatter and older, Susan grew stronger and more beautiful. Teresa was convinced this was true and told everyone in the family that Susan had cursed her to get fatter and suffer from high blood pressure, migraines, and spinal pain, and cankles. Things went on like this. Everything was about Teresa, and everyone was against her, especially her children. Even when Terry came home late once after being attacked and raped by a group of boys, Her mother did nothing. Instead, she called her a liar and a slut for provoking the boys. There was never, yeah, there was never a reason to call the police or much less go to the doctor. She didn't even take Susan to the hospital when she got shot. Actually, there's a couple of versions of what happened. Everyone agrees that the argument started when Teresa and Susan and that it got physical. Teresa had cornered Susan against a wall near the kitchen. Terry says her mom then pulled out a small derringer and shot Susan point blank in the chest. Robert, who was home, remembers it much differently. He says Teresa ordered Terry to hold the gun on Susan, telling her to shoot if Susan tried to move. Teresa then ordered Robert to follow her into the kitchen where they made oatmeal for the family? (laughs) A spoon fell and spooked Terry, causing her to pull the trigger. That's a lie. Why do you think that that one's a lie? I would think the oatmeal thing is so specific. Yeah, but it's also just like the spoon fell and then that scared her, so she shot someone. That doesn't happen. So, so... Terry is the little, the youngest girl. She's uh-huh. the one being made to hold the gun on her sister. 
She doesn't know anything about guns. Right? I think it could happen. I guess so, maybe. Because it the could other happened, but it yeah. also it seems it seems more likely that it was actually Robert's story. Mm-hmm. Um, because when Terry is later asked about it, she's not sure. Which is also, you know, it's hard to tell because the mom gaslit them so much. Mm-hmm. They can't remember. And they were high all the time. Oh, that's right. They were, yeah, they were high on heroin. Yeah, on anything, basically. So, mm-hmm. oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And you're if you're, like, terrified of your mom all the time, because if you don't, if you do this wrong, she's going to beat you. I could see how you would get super jumpy. Yeah, I could see that. So... Somebody shoots Susan in the chest. Teresa and Robert carried Susan to the bathtub, where Teresa worked on stopping the blood from pouring out of the wound. Instead of taking Susan to the hospital, after the bleeding had slowed, she kept her in the bathtub. Later that day, Robert was punished. In the panic of it all, he had grabbed the gun from Terry and wiped her prints off of it. So... Teresa was mad about this because she said that if the police, if, if Susan did die and the police came knocking, she would have no way of proving that it was Terry who fired the gun and not her. It's oh, Susan. my God. I love how she's just, she's just, all she's thinking about is, is not her daughter who's got a bullet wound in a bathtub, but like, how can I prove that it wasn't me? Exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That was her whole thing because she was like, I was on trial for murder before. I won't have it happen again. Susan didn't die. The bullet entered under her left breast, lodged in, but missed any vital organs. Teresa kept Susan in the bathtub for weeks while she healed. About a month later, after Susan was beginning to be able to walk again, Teresa decided her daughter needed to have an exorcism. The Baptist church they belonged to, which was really only a name because they never went, denied Teresa an exorcism because they were like, Baptists don't believe in exorcisms. So then she persisted so much that they banned her from the church. And then she was like, I'm going to do it myself. So she said that she forced all the children to perform a seance uh, and stay awake with her all night. And then like, it was just like mass hysteria, I think is what happened because Robert claims that he passed out when he woke up, his mom was like slapping the shit out of him. He said that his mom had told him that while he thought he was passed out, he was actually talking to her in a disembodied voice and saying that she predicted that she would die of a brain aneurysm and he'd enjoy watching her bleed out of her nostrils and die. Then William kept referring to himself as we, as in we like the China you have. Right. And we love love what you've done with the place. And he fixated on the China Hudge for hours. Sheila claimed she saw a tall man dressed with Victorian clothing and that there was a party in the other room. While Terry simply sobbed in a corner. Poor Terry. Poor all of them. I'm, all, I'm, I'm also just imagining, yeah. you know those parts of the Peanuts cartoon where all the, pe- all the kids are dancing around? They're all doing different stuff? Yeah. Like that's what I'm imagining them all doing. <laughs> But it's more bloody and there's heroin. Yeah, it's just dark and looming. Yeah, it's really yeah, dark. Like yeah. It's like, it's a nightmare, but it's peanuts. After the family had calmed down the next day, Teresa told them her own vision. Because, like, she she has to keep the party going. She's, mm-hmm. she's so annoying. 
She said she saw Howard hiding in the closet with her revolver and was convinced he was going to kill her. She also got another message from the other side, saying that she could cure her, quote, disease, her her fat disease, (laughs) if she allowed the forces, the forces, that's what she called them, to kill all her children. So Teresa took off. She left without taking anything with her and without saying a word to her kids. The kids were like, okay. Bye. <laughs> she was gone for three yeah. nights. Were you want to say something? Meanwhile, they're all just like high off their asses. You know, their mental mental state is deteriorating and they're just like staring at, you know, stains on the walls or the China hutch and just going... <laughs> It's pretty. She's like, all right, peace out. See you guys later. What? No one's going to ask me if where I'm going. Okay, fine. I won't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) She was gone for three nights. On the third night, she returned. Claiming voices had told her it was safe again. And that's where we're going to stop for part one. Okay. Of Teresa North. Oh, boy. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, that was a that was a big one. That's a big part. But one. thank you so much, Maria. We're excited to see. We're excited to see what's next. Uh, we're excited to see what's next. Um, <laughs> we sure are, we, Lori. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys. We're we're excited to be back. All right. Have a great day, everyone. You too. Thanks, Bye. buddy. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.